So welcome back to The Wheel Breakers, episode 8, the final episode. Uh, I assume we're not going to do those prequel shows. This is our Game of Thrones podcast here at EnterTheRealWorld.com. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Real World founder, creator man, Mike Thomas. How is it going? I'm exhausted. I just finished a 48-hour weekend-long field trip with mm. students. Ooh. Yeah. And then just came home to and Game I had of Thrones. And I today. Oh, so, okay. I mean, it was great, but it was like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I feel good because by the time people hear this, my beloved Portland Trailblazers will have been soundly swept by the defending champions, the Golden State Warriors. So it's nice to have that just, just gone forever, you know? Speaking of things that are gone forever, that's bad. Game of Thrones has finally concluded. We had some plans to kind of cover this in chunks, but then as we went, we were kind of like, I don't think we need to. I think we can just do the whole thing. And I think that's proved to be right. And it was a controversial season, to say the least. People People were not best pleased about some things that happened. There were coffee cups. I gather as of about half an hour ago, people have spotted like a water bottle was in the finale. Uh, It just gets more and more ridiculous. Characters did things people didn't approve of. Petitions have been signed, but big picture, Mike, what did you think of this? You've said that you think season seven is like by far the worst season. I tried to argue its merits, but you know, I I think five or six are worse. But you know, what do you think about this? Well, I went back and listened to our seasons seven episode yesterday which i was really happy i did because i think one we talk about a lot of issues in that season that were exacerbated in this final season and Mm. and we were kind of came to the conclusion i think or at least we reached some middle ground which is that some of the issues in season seven could be made good in season eight and i think it was mostly the opposite Yes. <laughs> which was, I think, the most glaring, most glaring problem being that they had really good ideas for how things, like, moments and how things should end. And they really had no idea how to get there in an organic way. And I think it kind of boils down to is that these final two seasons have really heavily relied on spectacle and big moments. Yeah. And Game of Thrones is about the in-between stuff. It's not about those things. Those things only became memorable because of the in-between stuff that got us there. And I, I think back to season four, and I think there was there was a pretty mixed reaction to the Watchers on the Wall episode. Hmm. An episode that I've kind of come to enjoy more over time. But I think people really thought it was far more shallow in comparison to something like Blackwater, which was clearly like a aesthetic follow-up to that. And I think, you know, it. even though I really enjoy Watchers in the Wall a lot more than I possibly did at the time, I, I think the show has been far more heavy into we, what can't we do, like, as opposed to what should we do. I was kind of thinking today, I'm not interested in different writers writing season seven and eight. I'm interested in a slightly less successful version of Game of Thrones getting to season seven and eight. I want to know what they would have done with season seven and eight if they didn't have essentially what was an unlimited budget. Because I think it would have been more interesting. I, I genuinely think it would have been more interesting if they did not have an unlimited budget. And that basically only happens if the Red Wedding doesn't take off as like this pop culture phenomenon moment. I think that's kind of like the that point where it, the show kind of became this viral sensation of a TV show. And from there, it, the audience just built and built and built since then. I don't know, man. <laughs> when I go back and watch, I mean, like, to me, I'm at the point now where, in my memory, the show is just going to be seasons one through four. 
because <laughs> a lot of five and six were kind of just it was a lot of stalling until we got to this end game and you know i don't think it was worth it i think i think the season four finale accidentally is a really awesome series finale and I'm yeah. just choosing to accept. It's, it's kind of like off of season five. I'm just choosing. Ah, okay, yeah. To end the show there, my memory. And uh, that's cool that you can read on EnterTheRealWorld.com, or was that just perennially in the drafts? Yes, yes, okay. that office episode. I probably one of my favorite things I've ever written, just because I literally have been like brainstorming it for close to five or six years. Okay, uh, I'll link it in the description for this one. There yeah. yeah, it's not to say that this season, just like last season, didn't have some really cool things, and we're going to get to that. It's just. I don't even know if disappointment's the right word. After episode three and then the big time of the follow-up in episode four, I became extremely emotionally disconnected to the show, and the last two episodes did nothing to make did nothing to make up for that. And I just I don't I'm kind of glad it's over. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a relief, you know. Like for a while, it was like, oh, what am I going to do when it's over? But as it's gone on, I've been like, I'm ready for it to be done. Yeah, (laughs) I and oddly enough. If anything, they tease things in the final like half hour of the show. I'm like, this would have been more entertaining. Mm. If there was really what captured my discontent with the show was that, that that final small council scene, even if there was a lot of fan service and who ended up on the small council, I found that infinitely more entertaining than anything that's probably happened in the, the last four seasons. Wow. That's the show I miss. Like yeah. I miss that stuff. I think that was I think that was the show's bread and butter and uh yeah, like, when was you the know? last... I can't remember the last time we had that functional King's Landing. Here's the king, here's the hand, here's the small council, there's politics yeah. going on, I care about everyone. It's like, it feels like it's just been Cersei talking it, it was, to... It was, when Ty, it was when Tywin left. Yeah, it was when Tywin left. exactly. It's just been because... Cersei talking to Kyburn for three seasons, and then she got a new friend. <laughs> You're on Greyjoy. And, you know, we, talk, we talked a lot, a lot about how the show hasn't quite been the same since Tywin left. I can't help but think what a cataclysmic decision or a cataclysmic mistake it was to have Tywin die at the end of um, season four, even though that's what happened in the books. I think yeah. I think if you could go back in time, I think the whole show would be better if Tywin never never left. Or if he left closer to the end. Yes. I'm, yes. O- I'm okay with him not making it to the final season, but yeah. To, yes, yes, To yes. think that we've had I... as many seasons without him as with him, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> or, you know, Tyrion, Tyrion killing Cersei. And yeah. that's fine instead of Tywin. Yeah, I, I think yeah, would have been yeah. more or satisfying. Or Sparrow um, killing Cersei, or Marjorie living, something. Or lots of yeah, stuff I mean, I think we're going to get into what would have been better a lot throughout, so we don't need to do that now. Yeah, but well, my broad thought was that it started really well. Oh, not yes. really well, pretty well, and then kind of just took a big old dip. And then by the time we came to this final episode, it kind of didn't really matter if it was good or bad to me. Like I, actually, yes. I yes. don't think the finale was bad. It just, it, no, I don't either. It just, I just didn't care anymore. There was no connect. Yeah, like you said, an emotional disconnect, especially after episode five. Uh, but speaking of starting well, let's let's just talk about it. The first two episodes they kind of bleed together because they're both a lot of setup, and that is arguably to the detriment a bit because they kind of play on the same beats two episodes in a row like both kind of end with someone finding out about john's true parentage which we all found out at the end of the last season so to sort of kind of go three episodes in a row with someone finding that out that was a bit meh but you know episode one it's like a great big checklist there are a few little moments but mostly it's like this forced here's literally everybody we're gonna do a roll call and then episode two has more of like the character moments and ones that really stand out for me you know the hound and beric and i are up on the the battlements or whatever and sam giving jorah the sword and uh particularly 
Brienne getting knighted by Jamie. I thought that was one of the the best scenes in the history of the show. And I think episode two is actually probably the last Game of Thronesy episode in a, in a lot of ways. Like the traditional what we actually like about Game of Thrones or, or love about Game of Thrones before it descends into just moment, 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 moment. Yeah, I mean, people were kind of like disappointed by episode one, I think. I, I thought it was... I was sort of taking the stance of let's wait and see what comes after. After the first two episodes, and I would say maybe the first 10 to 20 minutes of the third episode, despite some of the issues in that first 10 to 15 minutes, mm. I was like, Game of Thrones is back, baby. I am all in. Yeah. They got it together. They worked on their issues, and we are ready to roll, and we're going to end on a super high note. I think episode two is one of the best episodes the show ever had. Yeah, I would put it up there next to anything. I would put it up against any of the big event episodes, and I... I thought it was fantastic. I, mm. I thought episode one was perfectly fine. Mm. I, I think it was, if anything, it, it showed some self-control and, and showed the real value of just letting things breathe a yeah. little bit and checking in with people. And That's what I hoped they were going the for. for that, the things to come. That's what I hoped they were going for, that the entire first episode was kind of a prologue and that maybe the final episode would be an epilogue and that the drama... And they, they kind of did that. A little bit. I mean... If you consider that the show is about who ends up on the throne, which is kind of silly because, you know, this country will go on forever or whatever. But I thought maybe they would resolve that in episode five and six would just be a great big, like, and breathe again. But less so, I don't know. I can't stand the, I mean, it'll get worse, but it, it started out from the same place that we've had. You know, we had Sansa versus John, We had Sansa versus Aya. And then we start out with Sansa versus Daenerys. And then that bleeds into... John versus Daenerys, and it's just like, I am really sick to death of this recurring story you've been doing in the back half of the show, with two good characters disliking each other, and like, worse than that, with most of those family members disliking each other, and maybe each one in a bubble works, but together it's just, it got so tired, and I was sick of shouting at my tel- well not shouting, but you know, saying back at my television, like, John doesn't give a shit, shut up Danny, but they played that that hand uh, and they did all the the kind of like the sniping between uh Sansa and Danny and I wasn't a fan of that I kind of got the initial coldness like that initial distrusting thing yep a little bit like whatever like I could deal with that I think I realized in retrospect is that they tried to use characters we like their credibility to kind of take a lot of shortcuts with Daenerys which is that well yeah. if Sansa doesn't like her and exactly. Arya doesn't like her yeah. and Varys doesn't like her then we don't <laughs> we can skip a lot of steps to get us to episode five and six and, <laughs> and you know like, like I mean like literally Daenerys is doing a Nazi rally in episode six mm-hmm. uh like it was like straight first order you know force awakens scene all yeah. over again please stand in formation in this gloomy courtyard while i address you broadly about the yeah. world <laughs> come on <Yeah>. like <laughs> i think I, th- I mean we'll get to it later i think we yeah. can all agree that the idea of the ending what happened with the naris was not just correct but shockingly correct because i mean i think we all kind of just justifiably assumed that they were doing a bad job of making her a good person yeah. a lot of the time and instead, we're actually just planting seeds for proving that she was a, you know, not her way of her way of thinking about the world was not uh, productive in any way. But no. uh, <laughs> get back to here. I mean, yeah, I think that that little infighting just seemed 
tedious and unnecessary. Yeah. It was just like, come on now, it's the end game. We don't need this inner house fighting stuff. It was just a little tedious. I, I think the big thing to me is, you know, John's reaction to finding out who he is. Mm. The lack of concern for fucking his aunt. <laughs> like, I don't think literally a single character mentioned it. No, no one said it. Well, they don't. They know what they're doing. Like, these are your your shiny protagonists. And, like, while... Well, I mean, they cut the knowledge that this is what's happening to them banging each other to close yeah. the season. But, I don't know, I think they were intentionally pulling back from going all the way there. Like, they don't have sex after they find that out. And, like, they, I'll talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, it's... I know, but, like, <laughs> their unwillingness to name that as, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was just weird. Like it, it just felt like this huge. How do you not? How do you not? It's like it's the most glaringly obvious thing. Someone should uh, say it. Like even if it's like, yeah, if it's like Bron or even if or... yeah, someone like someone like Bron should at least it should at least be mentioned. Yeah, and I think I came know, all the I came this far from King's Landing and there's more of this, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I I think you and I were both kind of largely at the very least agnostic about the idea of John and Danny being hot for each other. Yeah. It just um, felt like them just because the shiny toys. Like they're together. two hot young people yeah. in similar situations. Like that's pretty common. Like that's not like, it's not really unexpected. I thought their chemistry was mostly fine, yeah. but it becomes clear that the only reason that they did that was that. So John would feel conflicted at killing her in the uh-huh. end. And that was really the only quote unquote value in having them be together. Besides well, maybe it value. shouldn't have been John then. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, that that conflict felt kind of phony and false. I, I didn't really get into that at all. But I think, largely speaking, these first two episodes are really fantastic. I mean, you already said it, the Brienne nighting scene. Mm. I mean, they, they just totally earned that. That was, I think, I mean, I thought when that moment happened, I'm just like, this, it's like the show is, like, it's back. It's back. It's mm-hmm. back. It gets it. It gets what the show actually is supposed to be. And then it pretty much all falls apart shortly uh, after that. The uh, the kind of fearlessness of that kind of, I don't know, I'm reaching for the right word. Gwendolyn Christie's grin, it's like, it's humble. I don't know. Oh, so good. Like, there's no attempt uh, I mean, it, it to be. It says so much. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was so much of that grin yeah. uh, that, I mean, most actors really could only dream of delivering that much without words. And, um, Her last know. good moment, really. <laughs> yeah, the last moment that you could just feel really good about without reservation. Uh, like, no no caveat was required in that episode. No. The best the show could hope for after that is just nothing but caveats, basically, unfortunately. Because <laughs> yeah. it really, it fell apart really, really quickly. A bunch of people lost their shit because Aya Stark had sex. Oh, right. And the number of things they've done on this show that haven't had this level of attention, and this is the one that offends people, and it's like, this is probably the most tastefully done sex scene they've ever done, and this is the one that makes people go insane. Thank God for, like, a 12-year-old contract with a with a no-nudity clause in it, because, I mean, they, they thought, this is probably how they should have always been doing this, instead of just all the gratuitous, like, exploitation of women they've done over the years. Also, you know, Cersei and Euron, that was just doubling down on, on Cersei having nothing interesting happening in King's Landing and just like, oh good, yeah, now I mean, they're just attracted to how arrogant each other are. Great. I just rewatched Blackwater uh, this afternoon after getting home from work before we recorded. I was just like, oh right, Cersei usually actually used to be interesting. Mm, um, funny and it wasn't just like one scene in season one with Robert that I keep talking about. It's like she was an interesting character because she was a human being for a really long time. Yeah. 
she was broken by the events of season five, which makes sense. But it's kind of like Ross Geller after like the second divorce, just turning into a crazy person. You're just like, nothing about you is entertaining. We weren't even that irritated beforehand. Just go away now. Since that happened with Cersei, we've kept asking, right, what's this for? What does she learn from this? How does she bounce back? Because if she doesn't, if it's just an excuse to make her meaner, then fuck it, she should have died. But I'm going to say that nothing really happened here, but let's talk about The Long Night, because, you know, they spent two episodes prepping for this. You're, you know, they're coming, they're coming. We saw them go through the wall uh, at the end of last season, and, and Tormund and that had the run-in at last half with the zombie child and the brief idea that the, the symbol that we've seen since episode one could look like the Targaryen dragon symbol, but fuck all that. This was the first, because they, they said ahead of time all the episodes are going to be longer, and then the first two were regular length, and then this one, finally, is a long one, and it's like, right, people are going to die, shit's going to go down, what's going to happen, no one's safe, and we got a quite controversial episode in terms of, you couldn't really see what was going on a lot of the time, and I don't know. I, I will say, I, I watched this episode on two different televisions. Sure. Uh, just like the creators I, I, I had no issue with anything visually. I don't know if that's... I mean, I, I did not buy the most expensive television for my apartment. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say I don't know what people are talking about. I should say, in neither viewing experience did anything bother me with, it, in terms of being able to see. It wasn't so much like it being too dark or anything like that. It was moments where... I think they were doing it on purpose. Like, the, the frantic, everyone's yeah. piling on top of everyone, and like you can't quite make out... Is that a character I care about? Oh no, there they are over there. Brienne hits well, there was the ground. Test that. Is that character without a helmet and perfectly fine and alive? <laughs> then yes, it's a character you care about. Indeed. You know, stuff like Brienne hits the ground and seems to be sworn by zombies. And it's like, oh, well, is she okay then? And then she just is. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, fine. I, I think that's a different issue than not being able to see, which yeah. was no, really manipulated editing. There were all, I think in a lot of ways this episode captures the final, at least the final two, if not the final four seasons in a lot of ways. And that... Mm. If you actually go to my listicle where I break down all the different things that bothered me in this episode, I also did a, a column on the things that were good. And the things that were good outnumbered the things that were bad. But the the things that are good are so small in comparison to the structural and foundation issues that really undermine so much of this episode. And it's so frustrating because literally they've been building to this from the first moment. Yep. Of, the, of the series. The They've first thing we saw moment. was the White Walkers. Yeah. yeah. We've been building to this for eight years, and I, I just don't know how you fuck it up. An anti-climax. There's three big things that, t to me, completely undermine this. One, I think some of the decisions they made were, like, about how to orchestrate the battle were based on what made sense within this episode, within a bubble, as opposed to within the context of the whole show. Based on all the evidence that the characters have seen, and thus, and all the everything the characters have seen are the only things we know, mm -hmm. there was no justifiable reason to send the Dothraki to their death. No. <laughs> it only made sense in the context of it reestablishes how dangerous everything is and the cool visual of just all the lights going out. Yeah, I was going to say that's, and like, that's those entirely things, why they did it. Those two things are cool, but they're meaningless when it completely undermined everything we know about what's happening in this world. And it sure does Every help single time, with the unfortunate narrative of the treatment of non-white people. <laughs> yes. And off you go first, and, just, and you're all dead. And then that doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't even get into the fact that somehow Jorah. they, you know, spawned and 
managed to come back to life in the yeah. final two episodes. I mean, they, the way they play fast and loose with the size of armies. I mean, oh, this is a God. show-long yeah. problem. I mean, it's a series-long problem. It's yeah. not just this season. Yeah. But holy shit, is it really evident in these final four episodes. I want an um, exact headcount of how many Dothraki and Unsullied there are at all times, please. And it's just like, <laughs> those are, those aren't questions you should be asking yourself. It should be obvious yes. whether the, ar- the army's been wiped out or not. Yes. Those shouldn't be the things that distract you. Yeah. That was a bad start to the mm-hmm. episode. But at least you could you could write it off as a bad tactical error, like whatever. Like you could, you could still recover from there. The tone at this point of the episode is still pretty intense. I'm still pretty heavily invested. And then I start to lose the the cracks get wider after that because they just established that they wiped out essentially the entire Dothraki cavalry. Then they storm full on to the armies of guarding uh, Winterfell. All the named characters are standing right in front. None of them have helmets on. And somehow the only one that dies is fucking Ed. And I'm just like, at that point, I'm just like, oh, it's going to be that Uh, kind of episode. Yeah. No one's dying that hasn't completed their arc. And I mean, that's like, that's what happened. I mean, the amount of times that they would show a character about to be completely surrounded by zombies and then cut away was so terribly insulting as a viewer <laughs> based on how they establish how the zombies move. I mean, there's literally one part where very late in the episode where Daenerys and Jorah are fighting out in the field somehow. Jorah is like squaring off with a zombie right in front of him. Daenerys has her back to five zombies that are mere feet running headfirst at her. And they cut away, and you just like there's no there's nothing on screen that suggests they could possibly survive that. We've seen nothing that yeah. says they can survive that. Cut back, and everything's fine. Yeah. And like obviously, Jord dies, but he doesn't die from the five zombies that are about to tackle them. The tension eventually got cut for me when I realized that this episode was not what it should have been, and that this this episode should have been the people die who still have shit to do. That's the way the show fucking works. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's the way the story is supposed to work. Is that people who still have shit to do in this world, they die before they get to do it. Yes. That's the rule and... they established to make the show what it is and, and have been chasing that Ned Stark getting beheaded moment every season since. And the big episode where, like, no one is safe and who knows how this will end. And your final body count is, like, Ed, Liana Mormont, Barrick, Jorah, Melisandre, and then, like, all the White Walkers, I guess. And Theon, Theon. Theon's arc was literally announced by a character as being complete. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. how meaningless his death was at that point. Yeah. It, and it's, again, it's not that death is everything. That's not the only source of dramatic tension. It just felt like a major cop-out based on how they established this conflict for seven and a half seasons. Yeah, it's the conflict of all conflicts. It's the battle that none of them are expecting to survive and, oh look, almost all of them survived it. And it's kind of... And the White Walkers are just neatly brushed, you know, this like 8,000 plus year threat. It's just over forever now, and like, what's the point in the white in the Night's Watch and the Wall and well, any of this? Well, honestly, all of that stuff I actually like. I like the fact that this conflict has always kind of been in the background because at the end of the day, this purely evil army, which mm. at the end of the day is basically captures most evil armies in most giant movies, is not terribly interesting. I guess I was naive is... to hope that they would get interesting and like something would be revealed about the Night King's intentions, but no, he's just an evil zombie. Man. Yeah, and so I kind of, if anything, I have I have fonder feelings for this episode in retrospect after the following three episodes, just because I'm like, you know what, oh, yeah. this is at least a clean narrative. It was they really botched a lot of shit in the big payoff, but yeah. I beyond that, it was a 
pretty clean narrative. And it feels so um, long ago as well. And like, it does. I'll give does. them and, this. While and, it's insulting to see so many characters survive, almost every minute of it was quite... It was gripping. Like, you were like, oh shit, what's yes. happening there? What's happening there? What's, and then, ultimately, they're all fine. Yeah. Aya kills the it Night It was pretty King. immediately <laughs> obvious how shallow it, it was, but I think as an actual episode, much like Watchers on the Wall, I will probably actually come back to Watchers and enjoy it. Just because I think, you know, I... I I think at least sometimes they're the show is a little bit better with simple simplistic storylines, but I just don't think the people making it are all that fucking smart. Um, I think they are. <laughs> yes, that's. I think the biggest problem with the show is that they think they're smart, and the next Star Wars trilogy is going to be a fucking disaster. Yeah. Uh, all right. Long night. I mean, some. I mean, they're definitely like there's there are things here that are genuinely, genuinely, genuinely good. Yeah. And I want I want to feel better about this episode as a whole, but I, I just can't. Like, I think Arya killing the Night King was kind of unexpected, but like, who else was more? Was anyone more qualified? No. Yeah. All this stuff about her being a Mary Sue, like, go fuck yourself. Like, she is the most visibly think, trained character on this show. Yeah. Like, everyone tells I, us I, how John is the magical chosen swordsman. I has been training for like four seasons straight, plot from day I, one, really, I, with Sirio. Like, yeah, I, I think I always envisioned Brienne squaring off with this dude after mm. we had been established that Valyrian Steel kills her. She kills them, they have a Valyrian Steel, she has a Valyrian Steel sword. Like, and I think that would have been a good, like, the Night King kills Brienne and then Arya kills kills him something something like yeah, that sure but and, um, and no one got to duel him like you know John, yeah after the standoff with john or like you know marking him from a distance type thing and i kind of liked that as john was sprinting to him for this like destined duel that like nope here come all the zombies to get in your way and yeah they, I, they oh, never I loved, face I off how much he failed yeah i loved how much he failed and he I just ends up like, th- cornered by a dragon and he shouts at it and then it dies and he's definitely telling all of his friends he shouted a dragon to death but yeah he's uh, just waylaid to the side while the important people finish it I think it was a pretty fitting finale for Melisandre. I think she probably could have used yeah. one episode in the first two to yes. kind of reestablish herself. Mm-hmm. Does she the just Leanna show Mormont that? shit was yeah. great, and I, nothing makes me feel more rewarded as a viewer than being like, she said the magic word, she's going to die. <laughs> I wish you good fortune. That means you did. The magic words, that yeah. means you are about to die in Game of Thrones. Indeed. She said it in episode two, and I was like, she's about to die, she's about to die. And she did. Kills a giant uh, and been, then dies. <laughs> never been so happy to see a 12-year-old girl killed on screen. Wow. Uh, I like like you just mentioned, I love John's useless final charge. They really set up John as the guy who's gonna deal with the Night King. I thought it was a good Yeah, uh, I, I guess they kind of flip flopped everyone's expectation. They everyone yeah. wanted Aya to stab Cersei and John to kill the Night King and they I mean John didn't kill Cersei, but close yeah. enough. Like they flip flopped him, but like one of those think, two things I liked. You know, for a character that probably 95% of the char- uh, the people watching don't really know who he was, I thought uh, Beric Darian got a mm. good final three episodes. He got a surprisingly good run on this show in general, I think. <laughs> yeah, especially in these final two seasons. And then I think in a different show and with different zombies, the Arya zombie horror film thing would be much better. Yeah. Just based on how they were moving and how they established everything, it didn't make any fucking sense to me. Yeah, are they slow zombies? Are they fast zombies? Like, what like doing? why are they yeah. constantly running and now they're, like, calmly looking for something? Why are they looking? Like, what makes them think they need to yeah, you've established them, them as, slowly? Yeah, you've established them as just mad screeching animals that just charge. Yeah. It, it just, it was just, again, it was one of those mm. things, we shouldn't be asking ourselves these questions in the middle of this episode. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I like the hound snapping out of his fear of fire to say fire. I like the callback to what do we say to the god of death, not today. That was great. I really hate the Theon Greyjoy, you are a good man, blah blah blah. Like, that's (sighs) bullshit. Like, Theon Greyjoy burned two little kids alive for his own selfish For sure, motherfucking did. When he hugged Sansa and was, you know, this was Sansa's closest thing to like a big emotional win or whatever. That was so hollow. And like, thank god that they just got out of the way his rescue of Yara in like two minutes. Oh yeah. I thought they were going to stretch that out. Yeah, time. same. But yeah, and Bran, I've got to go now, I, and he's just looking around oh, the battlefield and not telling anyone anything. We've got a shockingly amount of Bran to talk about, which I was not expecting until the final 20 minutes of that fucking episode last night. You're going to regret all like those episode. times that we said, yeah, we don't need to talk about Bran this season. I know. But yeah, anything else to say about this episode? No, no. I think at the time, it felt anticlimactic in that it's like, oh, I guess the White Walkers are just done, and nobody important died. But as, as we've said, like, looking back on it now now that we've had things like the bells happen it's like oh that was that wasn't as bad as i thought it was and yeah it was just like it, it's much cleaner in yeah. retrospect i think i will enjoy rewatching the first three episodes and i will strategically remove the final three episodes from my brain yeah and then they uh, all just they all just went home and everything was fine i think in terms of the death count i, I don't have a problem with like Leanna dying, like what else could it possibly be better for for sure. death for her? Uh, same with Beric. This is like his mission. I yeah. think that was kind of fitting. Melisandre, the same. Theon, it was he had to go. It was time yeah. for him to go. Like what better? I mean, like I. <laughs> I thought even he, even for Theon, I thought it was kind of a weak way to go out where he just, like, doesn't get anything in or doesn't, like... It felt like someone's idea of a cool way to go out instead of a a way someone would actually try to go out. But, you know, again, that's nitpicking. I think in retrospect, given how the final three episodes played out, I think it was actually a mistake for Jorah to die here. Yep. Him seeing what Danny did would have meant infinitely more than anyone else. (laughs) And it really kind of came to me when I was walking home from work today that... Jorah should have been the one to kill her. Probably. Because uh, he was supposed to, and he's just late in doing it. And I think, like, I can't believe I'm saying that. Like, because at the end, like, I, I was never greatly invested in Jorah Mormont as a character. And I think Ian Glenn did a good enough job with him. But still, like, I... Except I when he, he had to hold a sword, obviously. <laughs> yes, obviously. And it really struck me that him reckoning with what Daenerys did... And then him being the one to kill her, I think that was the ending. And I think they blew it. I, th- I just think the idea that, I guess, betra- be- after betraying her for the wrong reasons, betraying her for the right reasons at the end would have been uh, a far more interesting thing. And I, I really think his character, more than anybody else, need to see what she was doing. I think them kind of rushing through this John thing when Jorah was right there was a real shame. And I don't think he should have died in this episode. I think Brienne most likely should have died. In retrospect, maybe Gendry could have died. I mean, why the fuck Podrick had to keep surviving all this shit? So he could end up on the Kingsguard. (laughs) I mean, it kind of boggles the mind a little bit. Uh, I mean, Davos might have been a person to maybe him saving Melisandre. I think, like, I swear to God, I think the showrunners just liked the actor. Oh, yeah. And, and fair enough. It's like, he, he is in more episodes these final three seasons than he is in his first three, first four seasons on the show, I when think. When he actually has narrative and importance, yeah. Yeah, and now, but, but I'm saying, like, now he doesn't even, he doesn't have any narrative purpose. He's yeah, just yeah. kind of there. He's just hanging out. The same he's lines. our good friend. And now he's on the show more. I mean, that says a lot about how they kind of botched Stannis, I guess, than anything else, but... I could have uh, used, like, a Tormund dying, you know, like, I mean, that dude yeah. has survived two clear should-have-died moments. Yeah, Three, I mean, actually, it seemed pretty obvious that Grey Worm, like, Grey Worm could have died here, mm. especially since they just sprinted through every emotional beat he was supposed to be feeling the final three episodes. I swear uh, to God, 
god, there is like thirty Grey Worm scenes that they've cut over the years. Yeah, that, that make his character arc rewarding because there's just some missing pieces. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna get to that a lot in the next episode too. Um, <laughs> I think Sam could have died here. Yeah, like you know, I think kind of this idea that Sam had kind of magically survived a lot of stuff was fine for the show, but I think like you know. This is the payday. This is the yes. it's like. Guess what? There's there's no more. It was kind of lucky what you survived so far, and everyone's luck is supposed to run out in this episode. So yeah, I honestly think everyone we just mentioned would have been a better choice to kill than Jorah, <laughs> just because of what Jorah would have meant to the final episodes. Yeah. So the last of the Starks, the aftermath to this this tremendous the Battle of Winterfell and everything. And then once once again, the first like 20, 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe the show is yeah. recovering a little bit. You know, maybe they're just bad at the spectacle stuff. Yeah. And we're gonna, we, we got the big spectacle out of the way and now it's all kind of just cleanup duty. And I thought that first half hour was brilliant. The way they built tension in the room, despite the fact that everyone should just be feeling nothing but relief, <laughs> I thought was really well done. Yeah. Like... And shockingly close to subtle. Yeah. For a TV show that has always been the opposite of subtle. Danny trying to like take Gendry away from John by making him. Oh yeah, that, uh, that was so good. And like trying to one up his toast by going, and Aya Stark for saving it. You know, just all these little. Yeah, and like the way everyone was just kind of just like clumsily moving about. You know, I actually one of my least favorite scenes from the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the post. Helm's Deep dinner scene or feast scene in Return of the King and I was like this is a million times better than that and uh, I mean I just I thought it was great I, I one thing I thought was really dumb or not dumb but just again a constant thing they're dumb about just once on this show two people should have had really awkward sex for the first time because yeah. that's just kind of what happens the first time 95 percent of the time and if it wasn't gendry and Arya, which it probably should have been <laughs> two then like these two should have had awkward sex like i yeah. come on like yeah. everyone's having magical sex together the first time of course okay calm down everyone. Yeah. like and it's... then like to completely you know that's like a win moment that these two since they got stuck together way back when that, you know, oh, they finally got it on and then to just undercut that with his fuckboy speech about, you know, you knew what this was kind of thing. Yeah, oh. so let's get into the bad. Like, I, I really want to preface everything we're about to say with, I thought the first 20 to 30 minutes were largely brilliant. Sure. And and very much in vain of episode two and I was kind of, I was kind of recovered uh, as a fan a little bit. And then, well, the only really bad moment was Sansa saying, well, I'm oh. a great, I'm a great leader now because i was raped thank god um, you said that, that because i thought we were gonna just steamroll past this yes sansa's like oh i'm strong because i was raped like fuck like, you i think i just rolled my eyes it's, it's so hard to be outraged about that stuff at this point they've numbed me to it but um that one really did like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was bad that was real bad so the episode falls apart and the season falls apart and i think for a lot of people the series falls apart depending on how <laughs> much you think the end game mattered right after this annie and john make strategy i guess if you want to say that uh, to go take king's landing at this point it is very hard to tell how much of danny's army is still alive mm. it seemed like no dothraki were alive it seemed like most of the unsullied weren't alive and then they kind of messed with the a little bit at the beginning of episode four with the funeral scene and then at this point 
we think two dragons, depleted army, and it's kind of just not clear how they're possibly going to take King's Landing. Heavily injured dragon. Hole in the way. At least one heavily injured dragon, if not two injured dragons. Yeah, and Drogon got course, real if, stabbed, didn't it? Yeah, and of course, as everyone remembers, Drogon was nearly killed by like five spears with some guys in the gold mask in season five. So, you Smaller know, dragons are pretty vulnerable. Smaller than. Yeah. There's a confidence in the way they're moving, but you're kind of feeling like something's up. And I, and I think, again, one thing that this, this episode benefited from was that gradual tension build that they did not cut even after they got rid of the fee scene so i'm just like something bad's about to happen and i was like literally saying the dragon's about to be shot the dragon's about to be shot the dragon's about to be shot and then the dragon got shot <laughs> um somehow euron Greyjoy sneak attacks everybody they were just warned they were just literally just warned varus literally just told them like a scene earlier about the iron fleet this was not this should have been something they saw coming. I, what, whatever. But I think more importantly than that is, okay, so now a second dragon's dead. It seems like the Unsullied are down to the dozens at this point. Yeah. Somehow, Miss Sandy is Kate and captured. And then we get this final scene to end the episode. Oof. And we're going to go back with some other stuff. And just to, we'll take a step back to the Miss Sandy thing. We'll get to that right now. Oh, yeah, in a second. Daenerys is there. I, like, I think we honestly need to count the Unsullied in this scene. It looks like max 40 guys and Varys. Like, yeah. that's all that's left and Tyrion. Maybe. Yeah. And dra- the dragon's hiding in the background. One, why is Cersei not just throwing the scorpions at them right now? When are yep. you clearly, when are you going to get a better shot at wiping out the Daenerys? Yeah, Daenerys just standing there at the front of this Yeah, little... like, they're clearly within range. Like, they're heat-seeking missiles, apparently. So, like, <laughs> might as well just go for it to kill now. Yeah. And that's not the, I mean, like, that's not the biggest problem, obviously, with this episode. It's just, I, I think it captures a lot about the show, which is that they try to make it seem like all hope is lost, and then they cut away, and then they cut back, and everything's fine. Yeah, constantly. And it's just, like, unnecessarily manipulative filmmaking, yeah. and I don't get it. Like, you don't need to do it. Like, we're, we're, we're invested. You don't need to take shortcuts to trick us it, into being more invested. It's like they suddenly think this audience is has a short attention span and, like, needs to constantly have keys jingled in front of their face you know the show you've been making for a decade and how invested people are why do you suddenly think it's a different audience and that's not the only thing in this episode that just felt weird and off there's a scene with Bronn where he has somehow made it to the north again something that normally takes about four or five episodes the scene with him in the bar like i get his motivations for being angry that he still hasn't gotten anything it felt like that scene was written by people who had never watched the show before <laughs> and this guy should come and get what's his. <laughs> yeah, and it's also, it reminded me of the scene where Varys... Looks at the throne. Yeah, looks at the throne. I'm just like, have you been watching the show? Like, who is the person that's actually, like... Where's the quality control of this? Like, who's... Is anyone questioning why a character is doing any of this right now? One or season ago, Bronn it... ignored money to save Jamie Lannister's life. Like... Yeah, it was... And that was really weird and off. And then, I think, probably in what will be the most... I mean, then there's got two really destructive shits at the pieces of information towards the end. The North gets word that Cersei has won up the Daenerys again. A dragon is down. The army is depleted. And at this point, it's pretty clear that the message is supposed to be to the audience that, holy shit, Cersei actually might be able to win this thing. Mm-hmm. And that Cersei is way more powerful than it, it seemed like she was going to be. Daenerys might be the underdog once again. And then this is the information that causes Jaime to leave Brienne and go back I think they waited so long on the payoff of Jamie finally breaking with Cersei that it was too late for him to go back, narratively speaking. I think for them to actually go back, though, because he received this information, the only reason that makes sense is like he decides he needs to kill her himself. 
In it's my like, head, holy what... shit, Cersei might get away with this. Yeah. I I can't let that happen. When he delivers his little monologue to Brienne about, oh, I'm 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 trash, let me go, and breaks her heart and leaves her standing there. I in my head I could hear the creators of this show explaining that away of like, oh, he just needed to not make it so difficult to leave her and he's actually just going down to like, you know, finish the job and stat and they don't even fucking do that in the end. He just the canonical arc for Jamie in the show is I love her, I must go be with her. He just sincerely runs out to go like hang out with her. Like I was hoping, I was praying he was heading down there to kill her. And then to f- where it ends up, it's like, oh no, so that was all just garbage on top of garbage there. And I, I think once they turn Cersei into a cartoon, like this is just <laughs> an unacceptable finale to what Jamie did. Yeah. And like, I think Jamie going on a suicide mission to to just end it and make sure she dies yeah. would, would sit a hundred times better with me. Yes. Like, it's almost as if the, cre- the the two Davids stopped paying attention to, like, anyone outside of a few characters for several seasons, and they were like, oh, wait, it's the finale. We need to start writing this. And they were like, oh, what does Jamie do again? Oh, Jamie loves Cersei, and he's evil. Let's do that again. And I was like, no! And if, he had, if Jamie had broken with her maybe at the end of season six, but honestly, it should have been much earlier. They've done it repeatedly. They've just been like, oh shit, what do we do? I don't know. He goes back to her for a bit. And it's like, stop doing this. <laughs> if, but like, if he had truly broken away earlier yeah. and like a definitive breaking away in like, season four or five and he comes back three seasons later, okay, that would have been, that would have felt earned. This is literally three episodes of the show later. Three episodes have passed before he goes back there. He, they, they, it, he saw what she did when they were presented with the old, you know, the the dead are coming. And he was like disgusted and disappointed and horrified at her. And he was like, no, I'm out of it. And then he just fucking comes right back. Like, it, uh, and we'll get into that again more in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. The death of Masandi. I, I gotta make sure there's only white people left at the end, right? <laughs> I mean, I think it's even deeper than that. Like, I the way they use Masandi's death as like a breaking point for Daenerys, mm-hmm. I I think is just as about as one of the most patronizing moments in the show ever. Yeah. As you said, Grey Worm and Masandi are kind of like two characters that they pretended were real people because yeah. I think they wanted they didn't like the idea that the show was all white. And it was like they gave them some token moments very, very sporadically. That might be generous in even calling it sporadic. Throughout, too. They had cute moments, like, not being able to express their feelings with each other. And everything else is just reacting to what the white people do. Yeah. So, this idea that Missandei's death is the breaking point, because she's a real friend of Daenerys. Was it you who said to me that, like, the the relationship Danny has with Missandei, it's like a pet? Almost. Yeah, that's like, how, that's how it feels like in the show. Like it's like if Cersei killed Ghost. Like, <laughs> and I think that's that's reflective of how the show has presented the Sandy and Grey Worm, which is that they feel like more they feel closer to objects in yeah. Daddy's story than individual characters in their own story. This one is pretty. I shall keep her with me, and we will do each other's hair. Like there's no yeah. Like... There's like there's no relationship there. Like she's the boss, and she has to take her orders. Yeah. And I think that in itself. I mean, there's some issues with that, but they, if they didn't want to invest in making her an actual character, who's just her only characterization is that she likes Grey Worm and she likes Danny. Like that's that's who she is as a character. Then just set her free from the slave masters and just 
send her off on yeah. her travels. Like, don't and keep her again, around for set dressing. Like. Another character whose reaction to what Daenerys did at the end would have at least been of value. And the fact that Daenerys's end really has nothing to, really has so little to do with how the people in her life all this time react to it really reflects... There's like no one left kind who knows her. Kind of like the her. first six seasons were a complete waste of time with Daenerys, which is why we stopped talking about her after the first season. <laughs> yeah. Um, because nothing in the time felt meaningful, and now all this time later, they didn't even really pay it off. Like, this was the moment to pay it off, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. You know what else would have been good in that moment? If they'd killed Tyrion. I thought I thought Tyrion was about to die. Yeah, I when thought... he stepped past Kyburn and started pleading with Cersei, I was like, yeah, just kill him. Like, he I... hasn't been funny or interesting or witty in, like, two seasons or so. It's almost as if once they run out of George R. R. Martin's, like, writing of Tyrion, they didn't know how to write Tyrion. All he's been doing is just fucking up and then apologizing and being like, no, please, you, you must forgive me. And like, unless he's going to end up on the Iron Throne, what's the point in him at this point? To an extent. And like, do something here. Like, yeah, they can have Missandei, or maybe they kill them both. I don't know. But I was for sure like, just kill Tyrion. Like, why that's not? what I, I I thought. And I, I mean, I'll give him credit. Like, there was a lot. I was tense during that scene. So I thought they were about to kill Tyrion. Yeah. But I mean, as soon as it was over, all like it just fell, again, once again, felt so meaningless. Yeah. Like, are we saying that like Cersei is respecting the traditions of battle, where like you send one person and you don't fire on each other until you agree? Like, fuck that. Do you the Lannisters? Like, they did the Red Wedding. <laughs> And then one more thing from this episode we got to talk about is that Daenerys plants a seed for his own demise. Mm-hmm. Much like a Littlefinger the season before, this felt very, very clumsy from Varys for no reason whatsoever. And it felt like the show, once again, t- as we said, taking a shortcut in if Varys says she's bad, then she's probably going to turn bad. <laughs> and they decided, you know, we're going to talk about it a lot in the next, when we talk about episode five, but they did not do the legwork to establish that Danny was someone capable of murdering a million people. They did a lot. They did a lot of legwork to show that Daenerys was a tyrant. Yes, that would do a lot of evil shit for power. And yeah. I think that is the right ending for the show, blissfully. A pleasant surprise that that's the ending of the show, broadly speaking. But in terms of Varys just kind of declaring that that's what he thinks is happening, and then being stupid and going about trying to sabotage it was disappointing as yeah. a as a fan of the Varys character, who he'd largely been sidelined for the last last couple seasons as yep. the show became much more about spectacle and much less about nuance and politics. At this point in the in the season, I was still of the opinion that they're not actually turning Daenerys into a mad queen type of villain. They're just trying to create tension down the end with John. And now I see clearly well, obviously I was wrong. <laughs> but and now it it just seems even that much more insulting yeah. how she ended, given that nothing that she actually did made us did not like it it seemed like it this is why i'd say is that when when ned's is killed and when rob is is killed both moments are shocking in the moment but make complete sense as soon as that shock wears off yeah daenerys when daenerys does it it's designed almost to be the shocking thing but it says it's kind of just confusing and doesn't make you feel like oh well i can see how that would have made perfect sense but the way they got there didn't make perfect sense yeah and um I just hate the way they use Varys here. This is... Yeah. But let's let's just actually talk about So the Bells. The first thing 
kind of that they do in this episode is kill off Varys and like you know we've made sure that most of the non-white people are gone now let's really make sure that everyone except Yara in terms of non-straight characters they're gone as well uh let's just burn Varys alive the actor said he wasn't a fan of being bounced from the show like that kind of unceremoniously and there's been a shockingly number a high number of interviews of actors on the show being like yeah I wasn't a big fan this season no yeah the the famous you know the the interview doing the rounds with Daenerys, Grey Worm, and Missandei just kind of being like, yeah, no, not a fan. <laughs> Although I think what that was much more than not getting Daenerys' arc. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think they didn't like the idea of Daenerys' arc, much less the execution of it. Sure. But um, yeah. I think there's like an interview with Clark where she's just like, is Daenerys a bad person? Like she's like <laughs> going to her mother being like, it was really important that her people like Daenerys for some reason to her. Whoops. Surprise. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about it a bit, like, you kind of mentioned it. I, I feel Twitter and the world just sort of descended into bickering about whether this Daenerys turn to the dark side just came out of nowhere, or if they'd been laying any groundwork for it. It's not about that. Because of course there's groundwork there, like, she is fundamentally a invading force who has been insisting everyone call her the Queen, and like, from season one, her, her allies were like slavers and rapists and then she you know has been recruiting this huge army and she's got these dragons and she isn't overly bothered that they eat people and you know all these little moments here and there where she's had to be talked down by people around her from doing something extreme but the the execution of this turn it's not good (laughs) and like one of the ways they do it is you know, since John has found out his true parentage, he and Danny have have kissed, but like not a lot. And it's implied, you know, she is essentially trying to make a sexual advance on him, and he rejects her. And they they kind of use this to make her look like you know he's rising above this sexual deviancy, whereas she is the disgusting pervert incest person. And like she is the woman scorned oh she's rejected by the man so off she goes to kill a million people and like she even says like you know love or fear and i'm not loved and like oh if you don't love me i guess all i have is fear and all it's like come the fuck on man like this is insulting to you know they haven't treated women well but danny has kind of been one of the only ones who's got to on the surface of it have big strong moments and stuff and to kick her legs out from under her in this episode like that and then you know the back half of the episode she you don't see her she's just this cg dragon flying around and yeah, maybe you I can spot her they don't give her a monologue you just see her face and like you know she did really well in that scene that's all she had so she she went with it and then it's just this, nah, is... this is just all you are for 40 minutes bye this is what we get after Daener- from Daenerys after she decides I'm going to murder a million people. We see a CGI Daenerys flying on a dragon. We see Daenerys give a Hitler speech, and then we see Daenerys deliver a a little finger speech before John kills her. Yes, don't you see? It. It's all for the best. It's bullshit. Like man. that's it. Like it's so, like I can just imagine her get being handed these, you know, being told right. So Daenerys is gonna end up being the villain. Like oh, what a challenge as an actress. Like I could, you know, this slow turn to the dark side. Like am I gonna get all these juicy scenes to like really show this the torment and the conflict and all of that? No, you're not. Fuck you. <laughs> like, it's bad stuff. And to not even have it as like 
you know, she was focusing on killing all the army, who, by the way, you know, we talk about how they change the rules here constantly. One episode ago, Dragon absolutely fucked up by the Iron Fleet and the Scorpion things. And then Drogon, by himself, destroys the entire Iron Fleet, the entire Golden Company, every single Scorpion on King's Landing, and then destroys the entirety of King's Landing and kills one million people-ish. Like, we're changing the rules again here. That was just so jarring every time they decided how powerful the Dragon were and again yeah. it's just like it just seemed to be decided based on whatever the episode needed in that moment as exactly. opposed to any that's all they've always done they just think yeah. right we need the bad guys to lose here what if a dragon dies you know like we need we need daenerys to seem a little bit less powerful what do we do we'll kill a dragon here we'll kill a dragon here but like what some of the unsullied are gone they will get stabbed by guys in masks Who knows? okay but we need daenerys to have a bigger army so all the unsullied are back <laughs> um and it's not that she got so focused on killing the the soldiers that she accidentally killed some civilians it's not that on her way directly to cersei she accidentally yes. killed some people she systematically went street by street by street, spiralling around, not paying any attention to Cersei, and just openly murdering children. And, and like, this is not and who this... She was killing people instead of killing Cersei. Exactly, yeah. It's like, you know Cersei's just right there, right? Like, and, like, you I know... Don't, that's a... the second point for me. And I'm actually even fine with that. If you tell, if you told me five seasons ago that's where it's going with Daenerys, I'd be like, great. Yeah. If you told me that the final two seasons were building to that moment, I'd say great. But they did not build to that. They didn't. You know, like they were telling a story of like a self-fulfilling prophecy where Danny is so paranoid about John turning on her that she ends up forcing a turn. Instead, she makes it impossible for him to not turn on her because she becomes the most evil person in the history of this kingdom. Like no one has killed the Mad King killed less people than Daenerys did here. Like, fewer. Just, fewer. Oh, thank you for that. That Stannis Davos moment. The master <laughs> of grammar. Indeed. And you even see some of that wildfire going off that is presumably left over from when he was going to do his shit. And like, oh, it, it's absolutely maddening that they, they chose to do this and then just rob her of any chance to react to it. Even if it's just a close-up on her, like, what am I doing? Oh, oh, well, I'll just persevere. She's just gone. And you get 40 minutes of just rampant slaughter. And it's not just her. We get lingering shots of I don't even know who it's meant to be if it's meant to be an unsullied or if it's meant to be a, a northerner even like gratuitously lingering shots of them slitting the throats of women in front of their children and this kind of insulting story of oh this is what these people have been wanting all along and they just got their excuse and now they get to kill kids and it's like fuck man <laughs> like, and, and like Grey Worm hasn't had much of an arc and I know what they're going for of oh without Missandei he's spiralled but like he spent his entire alleged journey becoming a more rounded quote-unquote person and then he's just right back to like having a boner for murder like like what are we doing and it's even worse next episode but like him tossing that spear and like you know coming into conflict with john and st oh i hated it and <laughs> just to spend 40 minutes of just violence and death of civilians and i know it's not even in the way they were going for of like hey war is ugly and this is an extreme thing and we want to shock you it's just like this is too much <laughs> like yeah. I mean, I think what's kind of remarkable about it is that it's the perfect ending, and at the same time, it killed the show <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. it's like so much of this show has been about this payoff moment, and yeah. it's kind of remarkable that they completely fucked it up. I mean, it's the, not the only thing they fuck up. I was gonna say, episode. it's even worse the, from the next episode's perspective. Uh, so, Jamie goes to find Cersei 
they do it in the fucking most clumsy way possible. Yeah. Somehow he ends up in a fight with Euron, who's been sent from a ship. I, I mean, like... And before this, he gets conveniently captured. I wish he just turned up in King's Landing, like, just to give him one last scene with Tyrion, like, oh, he's captured again. Like, just walk into King's Landing and go kill yeah. Cersei. Yeah. I mean, it was so bad. And <laughs> I then... saw someone say that Euron, you know, he died the way he lived, with the audience going, oh, this fucker again. Like, you know. Yeah. Just a meaningless then... fight. <laughs> I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen, but when Jamie met Cersei, God, I just wanted him to stab her in the gut. Like, I, even he hugged her and kissed her and then stabbed her, just like yeah, John like, did Daenerys. Yeah, it's fine I if he's like, got a lot of stuff to unpack there and he's got a lot of complex feelings about her, as long as it ends with him doing the right fucking thing. And like, or even if he, like, he told her off and he gave her shit, but then when it came down to it, he had to save her life when she was in danger because he couldn't not. Even that would be better, but to just go from his big dark heart speech to Brienne to fucking just an honest, tender, loving, nothing but sweetness and light final interaction with Cersei, and then they just get buried under rubble. So the way they construct the bubble, buried under rubble part is that it seems like the entire foundations of the Red Teeth are collapsing in on itself, and everything is covered in rubble. In the next episode, I don't care <laughs> what fucking happened. I don't care what happened. Nothing nothing you can do can convince me that in the following, up, the following hours <laughs> that things just naturally shifted in that way. Yeah. If they'd moved 10 steps to the right, they'd be fine. What? I, I mean, shout out to HBO for shelling out an extra million dollars each for those two. And shout out to those two for getting a million dollars each for that fucking shit. To but, drink wine for most of the season. And then just... I mean, like, they got an ex- like they both got a million extra dollars to lie in rubble. Yep. And honestly, I want a million dollars to lie in rubble. I, I couldn't get over that. Like, yeah. they're, it's just, once again, it's just like, it feels like they make something seem so much more worse than it is. Like, and now I'm just like, they easily could have survived that. Yeah. They just walked 10 steps to the right. Yeah. And um, I was waiting for Tyrion to have revealed to have set them up. Like, he betrays Jamie, like, he's quite, you know, and he's devastated about it. Like, Bronn is there to collect, and, like, he knew that Jamie could get Cersei alone, and, like, oh, sorry, but she's got to yeah. die. Even that. But no. And, I, you know, this is after we accept that, you know, we agree Tyrion probably should have died last episode. But even if he, you know, this could have been something he could have done, but no. What a letdown. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll never forget watching in my parents' basement, like, watching <laughs> with my dad, Jamie's scene in the sauna with Brienne thinking, like, holy fucking shit. I am Hero all of the in show. On, I am all in on Jamie Lannister as a character now. This is my kind of stupid anti-hero male character. <laughs> and it's been mostly a disaster since. I feel bad for the actor. Yeah. Like, I, I think... He's always done I, it well. Even I when think he, he did a real good job with this role. Yeah. I think, in particular, the first three, three and a half seasons, he was pretty magical. And then they they wrote for him so poorly in this final three and a half, four and a half seasons that I think they just um, they just couldn't decide. They couldn't pick a lane, and they just had him jump back and forth right up until his death. And yeah, and like, how hilarious is it that the one fan servicey moment that they do do after years of subverting expectations and denying John his duel with the Night King and all of this, the one thing they do is the fucking Clegane Bowl, and they've got the mountain looking like a video game zombie boss, and just yeah, it's pretty, some of that is prettily shot and everything but who gives a shit anymore? I was never invested in this idea. No. They had their standoff in season one, it was electric, and then that's it. It's, who who cares? (sighs) 
I, I think we're probably going to start getting into the, the portion of the episode where we rewrite the show much better. <laughs> I I really strongly believe that the Hound just should have been given the option of committing violence in the in the Ian McShane episode, and he chose not to. And then there are just rumors that the Hound is still out there, and Arya, on her two to three episode journey from Winterfell to King's Landing... No, it takes ten seeks, minutes. Seek, ...seeks him out. And they, that's like what brings him back uh, after we only get a tease of him being alive in season six. And I I don't think anything he did in these last two seasons really warranted him coming back from the dead as a character. What what does it mean for him to fight a mute giant zombie creature man like and just and stab him through the face and he's fine and like if that was the only thing he came back for it's Arya the one who convinces him to do it I, I think I can get on board with that I think we needed another episode of them just traveling together for old time's sake yep. I think we yeah. it's just so it's just so amazing how much I cared about the hound as a person as a character and the fi- his, his return these final two seasons has really just been them taking advantage of a charismatic actor and really nothing more. And um, it's been a lot. Of that. It's a shame. <laughs> it's been... it's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of that in this whole show, and it's a real shame because this meant nothing to me, and the fact that the Hound's death meant nothing to me yeah. is kind of mind blowing to me, given how invested I was in him and how much. I mean, like I said, like I think one of my favorite individual character arcs is the Ian McShane episode with the Hound. I think it's really, really well done and that pretty much should have been the last time you see him to these the second half of the season it's a real shame how bad they fucked that up he's just been blundering about in the background mark to say because they openly called their shot and basically said we're definitely doing this so like uh, he was one of the few ones that was safe in the in the the long night yeah it's disappointing it's really like a lot of this episode is really disappointing and like you know Um, we talked about how they think they're smarter than they are these two tumble into the fire they go out the way it started i'm sure they think like ha 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 yeah uh, like, fuck off. like literally all i can think about is the uh red letter media george lucas it, it's like poetry it rhymes like i just kept thinking about that moment all throughout the season it's like it's like poetry it rhymes yes i think i mean we'll get to it in the final episode but I, I i do think that the most impressive special effect was that they edited out the sound of them patting themselves on the back while theory <laughs> and talks about the importance of stories in or in the final episode like i mean literally I, I can't imagine how loud that padding was and um, the way they were, edit, they were able to edit that out was truly impressive yes stand aside everyone the Davids are here the Star Wars trilogy is going to be a fucking disaster yes such such a major disappointment and he, but that's kind of similar to The Long Night I'm kind of just like well at least it was clean. Like it was like it <laughs> was exactly guess. as promised. It was simple, and I, I just can't believe that the Hound's death meant nothing to me. I can't believe the show killed that moment for me. But they managed to do it. Even and I, they almost saved it with the Hound. That like that last speech he gives Arya. Yeah. And Arya allows herself to drop the guise of her being like this stone cold killer. I thought was really sweet and touching, and it just made me wish there were two or three episodes of them traveling to King's Landing. I think, you know, as we transition to the the series finale, I think, I know you were not adamant about this, certainly, and uh, the season seven episode, but I see no reason why these 13 episodes were not 20. Fully. Like, (sighs) this this should have been two 10-episode seasons, and every episode should have been a normal length. Like, that episode four, it should have ended in Winterfell with everyone setting off, and then your next episode, fine, they've arrived in the south. And you get, like, some scenes of Aya and and the Hound still traveling. Maybe you get 
some John and Davos traveling with the strength of the Force. And, and he... you can have the Daenerys turn in Episode Eight and really give the the show some time to like give them two full episodes to kind of deal with the fallout of that. Yep, and let her like, act. <laughs> let her actually appear on screen. It was almost like they were afraid. It was almost like they couldn't justify how quick the churn was, so they, they removed her. So they didn't like make her act it out in any way. It yeah. was like I can't believe they wrote themselves into such a corner. I know it, it's because really they remarkable. were the one. They were the ones that requested this. They want HBO wanted them to do normal ep- seasons, and they were like, no, 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 we want to do short. And it's like, then how? Why does it feel like you ran out of time then yeah I, I, it's amazing how many times i had to tell people it's like no they did this to themselves yeah. it's like the natural instinct is to think oh, oh the like, network put this the restriction network, they, on them. Wouldn't, they wouldn't shell out the cash for it like the evil <laughs> network it's like no they're just fucking idiots and they did it to themselves they're busy with their slavery I, show <laughs> i really can't i can't get over that i can't it, it, it's at this point it's just so obvious how much everything they did needed time to sit in and just and exist let people talk like i know it's your big final season so you your instinct is just to go as huge as possible but do things between going huge like let two characters sit across a table and talk for a bit and you know it uh it kind of reminds me of the final harry potter movie in a lot of ways in (laughs) that you know i i think they made the understandable decision to be like okay this is probably like a five and a half hour story we're telling we can't make a five and a half hour movie we'll do two movies mm-hmm. but then the second movie was literally just one giant action scene granted like everyone's seen seven movies building up to this moment but it's still a movie that exists in its own bubble yep it still has to work on its own as its own thing when you sit down and watch it it should still feel like its own movie and these final two seasons did not feel like their own seasons of television they felt like how it's like how do we do blackwater and watchers on the wall and battle the bastards as quickly as possible that's what people like that's what people always talk about as their favorite episodes how do we do that as soon as possible (laughs) and it was just a huge huge blunder and i'm not gonna be able to have a conversation with a straight face and talk positively about this show you know like they blew it yeah like think about how long ago the really good stuff was (laughs) it's been a really long time the caveat free positive game of thrones talk was a long time ago yeah and remember the whole kind of before you say something like it's not just about the destination it's about the journey a lot of this show was stalling until these final two seasons it was and a lot of it was entertaining stalling to be fair yeah but there's a reason why we did not talk about daenerys all that much on this in this podcast and it's because it's all been built into these final two seasons, and they just completely fucked it up. Yeah. If you're, um, if you're building to it, why does it feel like you didn't know what you were doing until the yeah. end? Yeah. <laughs> and we know for a fact they did. I, I just can't get over it. It's depressing to me as uh, someone who wants to be an unabashed fan of the series, yes. and I really can't be. They're making George um, R. R. Martin look like a fucking genius, though. So there's that. I, I you know people have been very quick, and I think understandably so, to be like, well, they, it fell apart after they got rid of, they got away from Martin, and that is like chronologically how it, the show has played out. Is like since they've gone away from book three, the show has fallen apart to a. Um, and, and he used to be directly involved. He wrote one episode yes. a season for a little while. Like, yeah, he wrote Blackwater. He wrote the job, the Purple Wedding episode. I think he did a few, uh, at least one more. But I, I, I think that the. the it's deeper than that. I, I don't think it's simply Martin. I, I think there was a point when they did know the show and they did know what the show was. And I think it was, I, I'm such a fucking broken record, but 
that fucking scene with Robert and Cersei was written directly for the show. It's not in the books. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard for me to believe the people who made that scene made the last four seasons of yeah. the show. Well, just Particularly the, the, the final two. Just to mix it up ever so slightly, that scene where Cersei and Littlefinger have a standoff and she says, power Again, yeah. is power. That's a fucking great scene with these soldiers yeah. doing what she says. But... And, it was so, and, and it was so cool to see Littlefinger put in a position like that as he's always in control at all times and they just completely It's a different it show. It's a million years ago. It might as well have its own separate IMDB page. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's that different. This final episode... What do you think of it as a final episode of the whole thing? You know, as I said, I think it was... I was very emotionally disconnected by this point. Yep. The last two to two and a half episodes really did a number on me, mm. especially the, the the two preceding ones. Yep. It certainly was not as actively bad as what just came before it. No. And I probably would even hesitate to even call it bad. It was more just that my feelings on the show at this point were so bad. The damage was that, done. <laughs> yeah, there was really nothing left for the show to do to... Yeah recover i don't know what path there was for the show to recover and realistically they're probably there was probably nothing they could do i don't i don't think they necessarily made like bad choices with like oh this is what we think is a good resolution i think all of that made sense i think they did some stuff that if you told me about it years ago this is what they wanted to do i'd be like yeah no that makes sense like have a little montage of the starks sure it's just it's so hollow because i mean i know people who after uh the bells were like i might just not watch the finale it's like you've come a decade and you're so close but i i didn't ever entertain not watching it but i do understand like that really just i was like oh fuck this like they don't know what they're writing anymore let's just get this over with i didn't care i wasn't excited i wasn't excited to watch it and it's um, just like do the thing you want to do just just hurry up why is this the longest episode of the show i mean let's quickly break it down i mean Tyrion walking through the cast. I mean, like, that in itself was powerful, I guess. But again, there's so much emotional disconnection at this point that it's hard to say what is most powerful. Yes. I, I mean, I'm completely taken out of the episode by seeing how Jamie and Cersei are just, like, under, like, one rock each. <laughs> I mean, they had the... It's the perfect out. You just see the hand. Yup. Or even what's better, what if they... We, it's never clear what happens to them and all they see is the hand. And we mm-hmm. just don't know. What if they did uh, make it out and like, yeah, start like, a that new would, life? Like, wouldn't that have been at least like a little intrigue at the end? And if we just never find out what happened to them, like that would have been better. Than yeah, but you've got to give those two another million dollars to play corpses. So, you know. Yeah. It would have been something. A little something yeah. that they could have done instead. But they can't. Grey Worm is, is killing, executing people. He is reveling in the execution of unarmed prisoners. Like, not just yeah. like, this is my duty. Like, he's fucking enjoying it. There's a bloodthirstiness to it that I don't... I don't buy it. Think we qu- yeah, it don't, doesn't feel earned. I, I don't get it. Listen, once Daenerys thinks that someone is her enemy, she treats them like she tr- she treated them, but like I don't know. This, it also just kind of seemed gratuitous after what happened. It doesn't episode. feel true to who he has been. Yeah. Like, even but then again, <laughs> he's just been Daenerys' pet, honestly, this whole time, and I think anyone stretching to claim he was a genuine character is... Yeah. But even stretching. without like what happened with Missandei, I feel he got to a point where he was like, well, we shouldn't just murder children and things. Yeah. Um, and then he teleports. And, yeah, then they're like, I don't, like why? why? Again, they keep making us ask these basic questions of how are people from getting from here to here? What is going on? Why'd you build up this big scene of Arya getting on a white horse to leave the castle or leave just the city and then she's just there in. anyway? What? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. 
I like what? That's and gonna again, be a like, scene missing. It's with the same John. people wrote the episodes. Like, <laughs> it's the people been running the show for a decade. Fuck the water bottle. I don't care about the water bottle up here. I want to know what the what the fuck. How did that happen? Daenerys <laughs> delivers her "We must purify the world" yeah. um, speech. She's yeah. gone full Hitler. Saying that you're going to free the world after you just slaughtered all these people does yeah. not fly. Having her framed <laughs> by the dragon wings again, they're patting each other on the back. What a great shot we got. Tyrion convinces Jon to kill the queen. I this it, If it wasn't for so many other, it's like poetry, it rhymes moments, this would have been probably less annoying. But I like the idea that in season one, Varys visited Ned, tried to convince him to do what's best for the realm. And the way he did that uh, was by saying, but what of your daughters Lord Stark and then that's exactly what Tyrion says to John. what's going to happen to your sisters when if you don't kill Daenerys well, like, I yeah, that. like what a cool show where your protagonist needs to be told that slaughtering women and children is bad and he actually defends Danny to Tyrion yeah. and like great even cool. while saying I'm not going to defend it like literally <laughs> saying I'm not going to defend it it's still defensive yep. I mean and again this is the reason why they had them fucking was for this moment but w- Up until this moment, been... I questioned why they were fucking, and now I'm just like, oh, well, that just makes it even worse. Like, yeah. this is just... Like you said, this would have meant so much more if it was Jorah, if yeah. it was... Any... Jorah! Yeah. It, just... it should have been Jorah. Just Jorah. Like, and I think a lot of people would have seen that as a cop-out, but I think that was the most consistent thing they could have done. Yeah. Hell, if John... I mean, imagine if John actually died earlier than this. I think that might have been more interesting. Okay, now, he kills Daenerys. You know, I think that those two mostly do a good job in that scene. Sure. It's hard to buy any of it. I think... He loses that Amelia, debate. I think Amelia Clark did the best of what she was given in the season. Sure. Which was mostly inconsistent and rushed characterization. The dragon shows up and <laughs> yep. displaying a cunning sense of metaphors in the danger <laughs> burns down the Iron Throne. Drogon understands um, symbolism. It takes a shockingly high amount of fire of dragon fire to do it. Yeah. And I like and, that he completely whiffed on the first shot as well. Like, oh, oops, I'll try again. Um, <laughs> I will say, I was kind of, I've kind of been waiting for my moment of a fire trying to burn John, but he's a Targaryen and he can't burn. Like, mm. I, this seemed like the perfect moment for that. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Tried to burn John. Actually, like, what him. if he like tried to burn John? It doesn't work, and that is what makes him leave. He accidentally gets the throne, which is behind John. You know, like what? Yeah. I think that would have made a little bit more sense. I, I mean, like, I get the dragons are supposed to be smart. Yeah. But they haven't spent that. It's like, this isn't like Lord of the Rings smart dragons. Like, this I is... mean, they speak Valyrian. Like, so I think that is a little... Yeah. Eh. By this point, I'm not really caring. They do the Avengers five years later. Yeah. Thing, only somehow it's been weeks later and everything's been rebuilt. And Yeah, a shocking I... amount of King's Landing intact. <laughs> yeah. I It looked like the Red Keep had been rebuilt in that time period. Mm. I what? to <laughs> I, I think a mostly pretty funny callback to the council that ended season seven i think the bit with edmund tully is yeah. probably one of the funniest fucking things they've ever done the show yeah. <laughs> and it was written precisely for like 50 people like, who remembers who the fuck no that one guy remembers edmund tully sit down uncle yeah i was kind of into this like i was I, like I, wait I, what who's that who's this what, what's happening felt, again it felt like a little pandering fan service but at least, like it got a reaction out of me which nothing had really done to this episode so far yeah. i can't the edmund tully bit is just so fucking good and i actually thought for a second they were going to do it as like a hey this is who we got left with they resist that urge and god Tyrion just delivers the most fucking <laughs> lowest common denominator speech as i i mean like 
you can hear the Davids just high-fiving in the background <laughs> during the speech. The importance of stories, blah, 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 blah. I fuck off. I can't decide what was more condescending, that or the actual them being a book called Song of Ice and Fire in the show. I, sure. <laughs> like, just holy shit. I was a big fan of when they compared a free and open democracy to, you know, like the common people to dogs and yeah, horses. Yeah, I thought that, that was another good moment. Another good <laughs> moment. I mean, I, I appreciate that in the sense that, like, listen, like, this world is still a fucked up place, and it is not going to get better anytime soon. And, you know, by the by, so they're proposing what if we chose our monarch and they didn't just inherit kingship or whatever. The people that choose still inherit that, So, and presumably they're going to pick one of themselves. So you're kind of just widening of still quite narrow pool of people but it's not yeah, a broken I, wheel in my opinion no it's not at all it's just we're supposed to buy that as genuine i it didn't literally the wheel is not dependent upon kings being able to produce progeny it's based on the fact that a, a small group of elites actually dominates everything yeah and <laughs> this is just a slightly different version of, of what it's already existed yep. and i wasn't like were we were we supposed to buy that or was that just Tyrion selling? Like, what? When they're clearly trying to do some kind of weird meta, like, you know, democracy and banding together and, and stories, like... <sighs> Ugh. Not good. Not and good. then, in a moment, at if you had asked me four or five seasons ago, I would have told you I would like almost saw it coming. There were points with Bran, uh, I would say, especially season three and four, where I'm just like, well, he's got to be like the Harry Potter chosen one because there's no other reason for following him if he's not. Like, there's the only reason why you stick with him is because he's on some level going to be this magical chosen one. Yeah, and like when his purpose, quote unquote, was revealed to be like a living history book, it was like, well, this feels not quite enough here for his destiny. And, you know, he and was then, the but, first the major time, character that we ever saw in the show. And I think Martin is a big fan. Like, I think this is the thing. I think he's not an incredibly popular character from the books, but Martin likes him. And then the actor has made it much worse because he's an even less popular character in the show. But clearly, I think Martin has always liked him and he is the first character we meet. And, you know, it's a full circle type deal. And, and I think all that's true. I, I To me, I think once they, they committed so hard to this Asperger's Charles Xavier thing <laughs> that I thought, okay, like it seemed like being the three-eyed raven was kind of an anticlimactic payoff to his story, but yep. there's no way like he's he's like no longer a human being. Like I think someone described him as Twitter as being an iPad. Like he's like sounds <laughs> his little brother iPad. Like I and then, you know, like he no longer has any sense of humanity left in him whatsoever. And the only thing of interest is that I'm like, now I, the only thing that makes me want to rewatch is like, has Bran been manipulating things for exactly. three seasons to get all the power? Why do you um, think I came all this way? And the fact that they didn't even really leave that open as something as worthy of thought was, yeah, was kind of alarming. Why didn't anyone give him a bit of a side eye when he said that? Did he tell everyone about John and Danny just so that the two like strongest characters to be on the throne would be removed? Because... What yeah. was really achieved by telling everyone? Because, I mean, theoretically, he knows from the final two seasons that he's about to become king. Yeah, he knows everything. And the only thing interesting about that is did he manipulate things to make that happen? Yeah. And it's not... They don't even really open that up for debate, disappointingly nope. enough. They just turn um, him... They just... He, he regains his humanity and his smile. Somehow, somehow <laughs> this... To pull this off, they're required to send John to the wall? Is it like, what? Why is there a Night's Watch? Why is there why, even why a wall? Why is there a Night's Watch? Why is the wall manned at all? Well, I mean, Gr is How it? does Grey Worm have any power to enforce this this ruling? Because they rule uh, the, 
the King's Land. But, like, they leave. They yeah. leave right away. It's not like they stayed to run High Highgarden. Yeah, and I'll say, it's nice that he went to Narth, but, like, but what was he just doing for the last two episodes? Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't feel earned anymore because of what you did to him. Really just bewildering stuff there. And, yes. I mean, that, that part's very rushed. Arya decided to go to, like... Be a become pirate. A become Magellan. <laughs> I, I'm kind of into that. Little Arya. I, just... I think it makes sense... And I think you can really do some twisting of logic to explain that, yes, this makes sense based on what's in the show. I thought she might be going back to Bravos, but... I don't know. It's one of those things where if we had three episodes of Arya riding to King's Landing, this moment would feel really beautiful and not kind of like, yeah. okay, I buy it. Because like... it's like, what did, the, what did these three excel at the most and it's like you know john identifying with the northerners and being up there and everything aya being like a little globe trotting exploring assassin badass and sansa like being actually quite good at politics it turns out and that's what they give them all and you get this little montage that is quite well filmed and everything but i will say it feels a little bit too convenient that four stark kids make it to the end well i guess three and a Targaryen, but I guess a they killed high, a shockingly high p number of point of view characters from the first book survived the whole thing. Yeah, like, I think it's just Daenerys, Catelyn, and Ned who don't. Yeah, I know they've killed a lot of the Starks over the years, but for all four of them to make it's it, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time since the Stark has died. Yeah, maybe kill um, one of them. Maybe kill Tron. I mean, I, one thing I went back and reread my predictions, and I said, well, "How is it? How like what's going to happen? Who's going to send the throne?" And I said, "John," but I think the part I did get right was that. Mostly the wheel, the wheel was just going to keep spinning, and it was going to be that uh, you still haven't seen. Uh, well, I'm not going to like. Basically, there's a very famous TV show where <laughs> new characters kind of replace established characters. That was so subtle. I know what you're talking about. And, don't worry. And uh, it's I. I think that's mostly kind of what happened. Is just yeah. that the, the wheel keeps spinning, and give me, I, give me some. They like... try to spin it as a positive, and it's clearly supposed to be this really cynical moment. And exactly. I don't get. I give, don't get the tone of this. Give me a couple of scheming people off in the corner. Give me something. Yeah, it's like a super super cynical moment, and I for some reason they tried to go with optimism in the end. We've uh, achieved kinda, full democracy. <laughs> It kind of reminded me of the end of Dark Knight Rises that, you know, ends kind of clumsily and then they have this really big optimistic montage to end things that you can't help but feel a little warm inside about. But it did not feel entirely earned based on the movie that actually just happened. And it's kind of the same thing here. I will say this. I, I think one of the big things for me about this final closing stuff is that everything that they showed happening in the final 15 to 20 minutes of the show seemed like a far more interesting final season of game of thrones than what just came before it yeah like you said at the top of the show like that little scene with the with Tyrion's improvised small council and where everyone I was like give me this yeah. i will watch six episodes of this now kill whoever you want to kill right at the beginning or right at the end of the previous episode and then just skip me forward 10 years or something like fully do end game you know like it's just such a disappointment because it was there like there everything that they could have done was right there and they just made wrong decision after wrong decision on this repeatedly and i mean i don't know you haven't really talked about a lot almost everything bad about season seven is confirmed to be bad to me i don't i yeah. don't think any of the shortcuts they took in that season have been retroactively justified no not really you know and if we want to talk about that moment where it all goes bad it's i think it starts with broad 
not dying when he chose the fight instead of taking the golden running. And then uh, just sidestepping so many opportunities to kill characters. And I think what since that moment, it's pretty much proven that Show is really good at setting the stage, letting the, char- letting the characters just kind of talk and breathe with one another, delivering the beginnings of a great spectacle, fucking the spectacle all up, and then teasing again, interesting fallout. <laughs> Yeah. And then building up to another spectacle that completely fucks it all up. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the, this obsession with spectacle of the final three, two seasons really just destroyed the show. I want to see these two seasons on that the budget of the first two seasons. That's what I want. Yeah. And, um, you have to get creative because you've got to cut corners. And, and yeah, and give me a show where the big aspects of the conflict are kind of happening off screen almost you know like, again someone made the joke that the uh after episode two was so well received that they should just make season three episode three a bottle episode where we just hear the battle with the dead from inside the crypts the entire time and honestly that would have been a better episode than what we got their original plan for blackwater yeah really? yeah yeah they wanted it to just entirely be in the sept with cersei and sansa and that kind of stuff <sighs> i think brienne her finishing jamie's entry in the book and writing he died for his queen like how insulting to brienne i know she's the only one that knows what he did and i assume she wrote it in there but that felt like a moment for the book people where jamie was attempting to fill his pages and was that part... really wasn't a thing in the show it was yeah. maybe one or two episodes i was disappointed I, by it. I feel like all they had to do was just not have them fuck like yeah, just not have them fuck have jamie kind of show that he wants that and then he denies himself that and just goes off to die i yeah. would have felt a little bit more instead they framed it as i mean like when jamie hears about this when he hears about what happened to the dragon there's it's seriously winning again and then the next episode Tyrion is trying to be like the city is going to fall and he sounds like an idiot <laughs> they like, like he sounds like I'm a complete fucking idiot for thinking that because nothing we have seen you. makes it yeah. seem like Daenerys is going to win this battle yeah. and then when the battle unfolds it's like well why were we pretending that Daenerys was going to lose it all ever <laughs> if she didn't I, even need any of this and she could have just rocked up with one dragon <laughs> yeah I, I, which has just been like the inevitable ending that the show's been trying to hide from for so long. Yeah, and that's season eight of Game of Thrones. Just fuck. Yeah, just fuck. I mean, it's finally over. We're all free now. We can we can find new shows. We can. Genie, re- we're free. Genie, we are free. Yeah. We'll be back next week to review Aladdin. No, we won't. We definitely won't. Undoubtedly, the show's legacy. Blah 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 blah. Some great moments. It once upon a time the first half was an amazing show it fell off the rails and yeah just by the end it's a bigger crime that you don't care than it was bad yeah and because it wasn't that bad it's just you just don't care because they fucked it so much along the way listen someone made a great joke after season three after episode three of just being like how the fuck are people complaining about this? When I was growing up, we had to watch The Practice. Like, this is what television is now. This is amazing. <laughs> and to a certain extent, like, we can take a step back and appreciate what the show did well, and maybe we should. Yeah. But it had the chance, and it tried to do more. It didn't just have the chance to do more. It tried to be more, mm-hmm. and it just collapsed on itself. And I don't know. I think these final two seasons are pretty unforgivably bad. You know, I've seen it said that, you know, with Lost... The plot went completely out the window, but they kept true to the characters to the end, and it's kind of the opposite here, where, like, the plot, I guess, 
kept going, but the characters, they kind of just betrayed a lot of what they were about, and it stopped being about character moments. And Yeah, I think it's basically like, if you break this, the last two seasons down to the most simplest of sketch outlines, you will find not too much to disagree with. And then as you fill in the details of these, that's the more and more detail you get, the more you're just like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 um, no. It's over. It's over. As is the wheel breakers. Yeah, um, I really liked going back and watching it all. Yeah, um, it was good, and and, and we definitely all... would not have done it if not for the season coming up. I don't That's think. True. I don't think we would have found the motivation for it. Do you have but... any interest whatsoever in these spin-off shows they're going to do? Not to cover here, just in general. Like, I find it hard to believe that I won't watch it. Out of morbid curiosity, I might be very cautious about allowing myself to get invested in it. By the way, I just discovered this. Uh, the credited screenwriters for the last four episodes of the show know the connection. It's the Davids. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick up that they literally wrote the final four episodes. Yep. You know, there's been a lot of like, hey, the cinematography is still great on the show. And a lot of people are setting the scene where like they computerized the dragon to fly away at the right moment that Danny walked in. I'm just like, listen, it's a cute little moment. It's not <laughs> anything, though. Like, it's just no. like a cute little thing. There's it's like, not. There's dozens of those, and like most. Yeah, episodes. they're they're not impressive. <laughs> like it's not something that anyone should be going gaga over. Like if people have such low standards for that shit, yeah. and I'm not even someone who particularly cares about that stuff. Yeah, like give ter- me just some, just give me some wide angle shots of landscape with like a cloudy bright lighting, and I'm happy. Okay, like that's as good as I need it to be. But like that <laughs> was not some magical. There's you know what? There's so many moments in this show that I'm like. I feel like the Davids are really big fans of the One Perfect Shot Twitter account. <laughs> it's just a collection of shots. Most of them are not perfect. No, they're not at all. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a moment from a season of television of a show we both watch. When you can, when you think about the fact that they completely fucked this up, you just, I'd think of the quote: "Is it possible to be completely surprised and yet not at all at the same time?" And no, <laughs> like that's like that's what this is. It's just like I can't believe they fucked it up. It makes complete sense. Enter the real Look out for what we've got coming in the future, Mike. What's how the- did Pod never get into the main cast? That's just bad aging. <laughs> that's just a bad agent right there. Mike, how's the next Star Wars trilogy gonna be? It's gonna be real fucking bad. There you go. Enter the real Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. And who are you in power say that I must bow so low? Only a cat of a different colour, all the truth I My love